0: Words, they get golly hard when they jumble jumping over hurdles, slowing verbs like a turtle pool, black like squirtle and cake gold cold blood is with this frogski I'm a boss this is that got me thinking and I'm Ellie Newman this week I've been thinking about health. I've been thinking about how much we're beginning to learn about the complex relationships involved and the simplicity surrounding it. I've been thinking about empty values and misplaced priorities. I've been thinking about how obvious the truth can be once we're willing to really look for it and how hard we try to skirt it when it means we may have to actually change and let go of what we've known. My guest today is Dr. Suha Shirsagar. He is a world-renowned Ayurvedic physician and educator. He's an advisor and consultant at the Chopra Center and a faculty member at several Ayurvedic institutions. He's the director of the Ayurvedic Healing and Integrative Wellness Clinic in Northern California and the author of The Hot Belly Diet. His new book, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life, How to Harness the Power of Clock Genes to Lose Weight, Optimize Your Workout, and Finally Get a Good Night's Sleep, is about to change all of our lives. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Ellie. Happy to be here.
0: I'm happy to have you and happy to have some clarity we've now reached. So um, Deepak Chopra says, Ayurveda is about a person's evolution in every dimension, physical, mental, and spiritual. Let's start with just a basic 101 on what is Ayurveda and why it's been called the original lifestyle
1: medicine. Well, actually, the word itself, Ayurveda, means science of life. It simply means that what happens to our bodies, the way we are living our life. So how we style our life is exactly the kind of body we are going to get. And Ayurveda is, frankly, one of the most ancient and most comprehensive system of healthcare that is known to humanity. And remarkably, this very ancient approach of understanding body, which has been tested and proven over thousands of years, is also completely compatible with our uh, contemporary understanding of how nature works. Um, In fact, uh, where we are heading in science, um, the, the quantum physics, quantum chemistry, quantum biology, Ayurveda simply uses different terminologies to express some of the most advanced ideas that we know in the science. And the book is exactly about the same. So it's a perfect blend of East and West, which talks about how our lifestyle is responsible for the diseases that we are creating currently. And we have to start looking at ourselves and the way we live our life to uh, simply reverse this uh, challenge that we we face.
0: You had said in the West we reached a plateau because our approach is anxiety and avoidance-based. What does that mean, and and how is the focus different in um, Ayurveda?
1: I think I think Ayurveda is a consciousness-based approach to health and well-being which simply means that you have to um, bring your mind, body and your spiritual experience in alignment and uh, when we look at our body as as a separate entity, as a frozen sculpture where the things are kind of happening to the body and the way we think and the way we make decisions in our mind has nothing to do with the body. So we have to bring both of those in harmony and the only way to bring mind and body, which are the two polarities opposite in harmony and in balance, is always coming from from this understanding of our spiritual existence. So there's a continual exchange that our body is being renewed and replaced at every moment with with the air we breathe, the food we eat, the kind of life we live. And if we can slowly shift and change the way we are, we are uh, making decisions and maintaining our own health. I think that's the way to go. And uh, we, are, we are painfully realizing, we toyed with this idea not long ago in Western medicine, that let's vaccinate and immunize every baby that is born 10, 15, 20 shots, and very soon we'll have no diseases left. But unfortunately, we are not there. We have created a very different uh, challenge of chronic diseases, which are mostly lifestyle diseases. And I think, I think Ayurveda is all about really paying attention to your diet, routine, lifestyle, behavior, detoxification, cleansing, spiritual experience, effectively managing your stress, cultivating healthy biological relationships, all of those. So everything that the way we live our life, the way we entertain ourselves, the way we uh, interact with, with Mother Nature around us, that's all about health.
0: In your book, you blend Ayurvedic wisdom and, and cutting edge science. And I was kind of laughing to myself the third time I said the introduction because I was thinking it's, this is not new in any realm to anyone other than those of us focused on Western medicine. Um, you know, as you said, this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years, understanding the complexity and the, and the interrelations. You start your book with a, sort of mysterious proclamation of sorts, you say, tell me what you do, and I'll tell you how you live and feel. And then you make a promise that by working with your body's natural rhythms and not against them, one can create a daily schedule that will transform your health and life and transform it really quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's all about it's all about understanding it and the way what what i see in my clinical practice and i have i have discussed numerous stories of my patients in the book itself because uh, where i practice especially in the in the silicon valley here people are are super busy and when you're super busy you forget the right time to eat you are You are making poor choices, many times you are feeling stressed out, and because of the way your mind is feeling, you reach out for unwanted salty, sugary, or fatty kind of foods. Um, you are eating at the wrong times, you're sleeping at the wrong time, you're working too late in the night and when When you are thinking that this is something the way you live and the way you make the choices, very soon the health starts getting affected. You start feeling dull, heavy, groggy. Toxic, tired. You start packing some unwanted extra pounds onto your system. All of those things are are almost uh, deviation from your normal self. And when I start talking to these people and then bring their attention to the way they are, they are waking up, the time they're going to sleep, the time when they're eating foods, and the kind of food they eat. And we make these smaller changes in increments. It has very, very profound effect on slowly shifting and changing uh, the way they were feeling.
0: I like the example you give when you talk about even why we reach for our phones, that there's a reason we've developed all these habits, that they are serving a purpose. They're just the wrong things to be serving those purposes, and we are off track. And you talk about, you know, we grab the phone because we want this dopamine hit. You know, we're, we're, yeah. we're searching for something. And so, so let's start with, and it's a super cool word, <laughs> chronobiology um, and, and the, the science of it and how it's
1: changing things. Chronobiology is biological timing. It simply means chrono means time, and biology means your cellular function of the physiology, that how, how your cell's behavior, organs and organ system's behavior, is affected with the time. And uh, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life is an excellent handbook that kind of blends this ancient wisdom of Ayurveda with this latest cutting-edge modern medical research. And what this is all about is how the biological clock's work to control and regulate almost every function of life. That's exactly what chronobiology is all about. And the challenge is that this chronobiological function is pretty hardwired. It is fairly inflexible biology. And yet our social and economic systems of modern humans is constantly provoking it. So in, in other words, that this, the body is, is prone to do the right things at the right time. But if you're in your environment, in your uh, day-to-day living, if you're not supporting that activity, what the body is doing, then you throw a wrench in the perfect functioning of physiology. For example, the body is trying to eat the biggest meal of the day in the middle of the day and you are busy with a meeting and you forget uh, time to eat. And then when you have time around 2 to 30, that's when you can sit and uh, grab your lunch. But that's not the time what body is ready to digest that food. Around 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the evening, you feel sleepy, sluggish, you're yawning, and you want to crash and go to sleep. You look at the clock and say, God, who wants to sleep at this time? And then you you stay awake and you get busy watching something, and then it's 10.30, 11, close to midnight, and then you're tossing and turning because that wave that was helping you to, to go to sleep and sleep better has come and gone. And then you are you are trying to reenact something at that time. And not only uh, you miss the bus, but you miss millions of functions that are lined up right after that, that the body is trying to do. So when you are, even when you're asleep, there are millions and millions of functions that the body does. When you're eating the right food at the right time, when you're hungry, then the food is completely digested, metabolized, and assimilated totally differently than when you're not hungry, or when the body is not ready to eat a big meal at times. So I think these are, these are things that we are painfully realizing that as we have been doing this way, and it's high time for us to really go back and go back to the basics, to really understand how to live our life.
0: So, Chopra says a growing body of research on chronobiology reveals just how sensitive the human body is to these rhythms, all the way down to the genetic level. And he calls you an Upa Guru. So, I'm hoping you'll be our Upa Guru for, for the rest of this conversation, our guide. And then your book. Serves as that for then on. Um, and I just want to mention again your book, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life, How to Harness the Power of Clock Genes to Lose Weight, Optimize Your Workout, and Finally Get a Good Night's Sleep. So how big a problem is chronic imbalance? And, and what are the main culprits of it. I know In the, it was awarded in, in 2017, a Nobel Prize was awarded for unraveling the mysteries of circadian rhythm in biology. Um, but the Ayurvedic uh, lifestyle and, and medicine, it's been based on this for thousands of years.
1: Well, uh, just to give you an example, anyone who has experienced a jet lag or worked on a swing shift or just missed one or two nights of sleep can simply attest to what I'm talking about. Sleep loss is just one piece of that provocation, and other pieces are ingestion of food at wrong time, wrong times to exercise, um, exposure to blue light that kind of confuses the cellular clots at nighttime. So this whole functioning of the, of the physiology in which organisms, and not only us human beings, but every species in the universe, okay, down to a single cellular organism, Okay, they all respond, and they time physiology and behavior so that everything is taking place in a rhythmic fashion. The body uh, bodily clocks, which are at a at a molecular level, at a cellular level, that control when you wake, sleep, digest food, and nearly perform every other function in your body itself. So we are all affected with the natural rhythms, and just to the biggest rhythm is is the sunrise and sunset. So when there's daylight outside, the body behaves differently. When it's dark outside, the body behaves differently. And when it's dark outside and you're still treating it as if it's daylight, that's where uh, uh, some challenges happen. And when it's daylight outside and you're sleeping in and you're not doing the right things at that time, that also confuses the body itself. So I think what I started looking closely at all this in my clinical practice was whether we like it or not, our lifestyle has gotten super busy everybody's work schedule has gotten very, very busy. Emails, text, voice messages, Skyping, Instagram, social media, Twitters. Uh, it is keeping us very busy. And this is all very recent. If, if I have to just put things into the right perspective, uh, it will be fascinating for us to even, even imagine that what is going on about uh, 2004, Facebook was not there. 2005, YouTube was not there. 2006, Twitter was not there. The first smartphone, actually, that Apple launched was 2007. So we are technically talking about last 10 years where the life has gotten super busy. In in 2000, only 50% people used internet for telecommunication. As of now, 97% of the world is using internet for telecommunication. So the boundaries of you to work have become very invisible. You used to go to work nine to five. Now you're on call all the time. With the smartphone, you have to constantly respond to text, voice messages, things like that. And so an average person uh, is, is working at least 13, 14 hours each day because of their accessibility to smartphone. And most of the people start their day with looking at the cell phone and end their day looking at the cell phone. And if you go to sleep thinking about work, if you wake up thinking about work, then naturally the whole biochemistry and the neurochemistry is going to be affected.
0: I love the, the example you give. You say, if you sleep from 1am to 6am, it's as though you flew from California to New York in the evening, only to fly back again before work. And then also the idea that it's down to a single microbe, that it, everything is trying and working toward coordinating the systems to a central clock. And so it gives us a, such a simple solution in some way, but maybe extremely challenging as far as restoring the balance. Maybe we can talk about another aspect that I thought was super cool that that's relevant to what we're talking about right now which is the suprachiasmatic nucleus and our relationship to yeah. light and how that tiny bundle of neurons exerts so so much power over our whole body.
1: And that was an old school of thought because uh, it was it was considered that um there's a master clock um, uh, in in hypothalamus uh, in our brain called a suprachiasmatic nucleus, SCN. And the way we interact with our environment was that the light hits our retina and then sends a neural signal to SCN that more or less it says that it's light or dark. And then that helps to entrain the clock in the SCN and then through the peripheral nervous system and the nerves, it tells the rest of the body to coordinate various functions so uh, it's such a tiny area it's almost the size of a rice grain a grain of a rice and located in the smack middle of the brain right above the optic nerve and it contains about 20,000 different neurons so this was an old school of thought I would say maybe a decade ago something we behaved that we believed that this is how the body responded to time but now we are painfully realizing and that was the the discovery that won the Nobel Prize that um, virtually every one of your cells contains a molecular clock that controls its functioning and its interaction with other cells and tissues. In essence, rather than being ruled by just one big clock like like Big Ben on the streets of London, every living thing is like little timepieces and clocks uh, ticking away in perfect synchronization. So at a DNA level, at, at genetic level, there are genes which are constantly cycling, which are responding to the changes in the time, nature, pressure, universe, everything like that. And I think that study is chronobiology. And uh, when we are disconnected from our body, we are not able to really tap into that uh, what the body is trying to do. Just to give you another example, like when the the changes are there in the season. Right, right now we are we are uh, about to be in spring. I would say and we are finishing a long winter, and we are entering into spring. So you can see the changes that is happening around us in the universe. But if you are not really gearing up to those changes, making the right kind of cleanses, dietary changes, lifestyle changes, then we are caught off guard. So if if the Mother Nature responds to light, if every species around us responds to the changes, if we are not Uh, changing our shopping habits, if we are not eating differently, sleeping differently, or changing our routine differently, then we are creating more imbalances. And that's what I call it as unnatural living.
0: You talk about the clock genes and their effect on pretty much everything on aging, on tumor suppression, on metabolism, on weight gain, on, on our energy levels. And you say everything we do during the day is either helping or hindering that. So maybe we could talk a little bit about how one starts. Um, How do you start to shift your mindset and to begin to think about arranging your day and your activities and um, noticing your body type and your needs to start getting into balance?
1: Well, yeah, those are, once you start uh, zooming and micro zooming in different topics in the book that I covered. I discussed various quizzes, talked about chronotypes and uh, what are the changes. But uh, let me share one very interesting fact that I unearthed when I was um, writing this book, my earlier book, Hot Belly Diet. And um, it was very interesting for me to look at uh, uh, the research that was coming out. And the research was Uh, Eat late to gain some weight and sleep late to gain some weight. If you are eating late, you are gaining weight. If you are uh, sleeping late, you are gaining weight. And unfortunately, about 71% 71 of the country was doing both. So if you are eating at around 8, 9, 10 in the evening and then sleeping late, then it's going to really disrupt everything. Because what happens is when you're sleeping, your heart rate, pulse rate, respiratory rate, even your metabolic rate uh, comes to a crawl and the body is completely shut down in the night when you're asleep and the food stays there without being digested. And then you wake up feeling dull, heavy, groggy, congested and tired, and you would want unwanted amount of caffeine to get you going throughout the day itself. And that kind of disrupts everything. And that was the crux of the issue where I think which we have to make some very important changes. And when I was um, writing this book, Changes, Can You Change Your Life? One of the things I challenged my patients was to eat early and to go to bed at the proper time. And if those two things are done. Uh, in a in a proper manner where you are you are going to sleep with your food being completely digested ideally it takes about 2 to 3 hours for the body to digest a meal completely at a micro digestive level so if you are eating by 7 o'clock then you are completely done digesting the food by 9 9:30 and then you go to sleep uh, after digesting the food and then you wake up easily effortlessly with good energy to start your day in the morning itself so i think i think Some of these things are nothing new, as you say. We call it as research, which is searching one more time. There is nothing new under the sun. But I think with our objective understanding of the science, we start believing things um, when we start seeing some of these research. And I think the research is simply validating these age-old Ayurvedic concepts.
0: Well, I think it's all new to us lunkhead Westerners. I think it it may, may not be new to the rest of the world, but I think it is all new, and I think it's so impactful. So we're going to take a, a short break, and um, we'll come back and talk about the three things that you say to do if you do nothing else. This is Ellie Newman on That Got Me Thinking, and I'm speaking with Dr. Sue Haas Shirsagar about his new book, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life, How to Harness the Power of Clock Genes, to Lose Weight optimize your workout, and finally get a good night's sleep. This is KDPI 88.5 FM. All right, we're back. This is Ellie Newman on That Got Me Thinking, and I'm speaking with Dr. Suhash Shirsagar. We're talking about his recent book, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life. And in the book, you mentioned three things. If we do nothing else, um, that these changes can make a- an enormous difference. One, go to bed by 1030. Two, eat your largest meal at noon. And three, exercise first thing in the morning. And maybe in, in the second half of the interview, we can talk about some of the, the deep Details of those um, elements and why they make such a, a tremendous impact. Um, but first, maybe we'll talk a little bit about starting to listen to your body because what you say is, although they're the, the three major changes, you can't really change anything until you know what you're doing now. And you say the biggest battle is with your mind, not your body. Your body talks to you about your unhappiness, and, and we aren't listening. And Jason, one of the examples in your book, he, he started to listen. He hadn't been taking the time to notice and, and to feel what yeah. what he was feeling during times of the day when he ate things. Um, and he says, why am I – the questions he started to ask is, why am I doing this? How do I feel right now? And what's my purpose? Why is this the, the important
1: place to start? I think this is an important place to start because your health is your full-time job. And everything that you attract in life is dependent upon how healthy and happy you feel. And I think the very basis of Ayurvedic medicine is to really understand the purpose of human life, is to feel good about yourself and make a difference in someone else's life. So it may sound very philosophical, it may sound very spiritual in nature itself, but that's exactly what it is. We sometimes get too carried away. With uh, so-called our day-to-day life, and then kind of forget some very basic fundamentals. Then I see stress in so many people in my practice who spend their health to get some wealth, and afterward they would like to share their wealth with you to regain the health, which is not always possible. So I think health making it as a priority is very important, and the three components of the tripod of life, as Ayurveda talks about it, is diet, sleep, and exercise. These are the three pillars of health. So uh, the quality of the diet will decide the quality of sleep you get. The quality of sleep will decide the kind of energy that you will have to do physical movement and exercise throughout the day. And they all feed off each other. So I think one of the simplest things that I laid out in the book was may sound very revolutionary, But I have had many people go through with that. And one challenge that I often tell people to do is to to have a decent breakfast, to have a decent lunch in the middle of the day. And that is also a concept which is related with the principles of light and darkness. So when sun is waking up in the morning, it's a sunrise, the light is very tender at that time. So your digestive system is waking up after seven, eight, nine hours of sleep. So you should be eating light, warm, cooked breakfast, which is small in quantity. And that should be the nature of the food that you can handle. When sun is prominent in the middle of the day, that is when your most of the big calorie meals should be taken. So that is when you should be able to eat the food and digest because you're active thereafter. You're working, you're running around, you're doing your chores and you are able to and the system is open to digest and assimilate the nutrients. And when the sun is setting in the evening, again, the sunlight is fading away. It's very tender. And so you should be eating lighter meal. We used to have that not, not long long ago, even in this country. We used to call it a supper or super where you were eating lighter evening meals and you were able to digest that. So you are you are having an early dinner by 7, 7.30 and then not eating anything. So one challenge which I told my patients to do was not to snack on anything from breakfast to lunch and not to really eat anything from lunch to dinner. So no snacking in between, which was fluctuating their blood sugar, creating false sensations and hunger. So you're allowed to eat breakfast and you're fasting from breakfast to lunch and then you're fasting in between the meals and that will reset your digestive system and will get rid of this tissue sludge that was making you feel heavy and uh, groggy. And then I discussed about some herbal teas, hot water, lemon, ginger that you can sip, uh, which will help you digest and rekindle your digestive fire itself. One interesting thing that we discussed in the book, and there's enough research to prove this, that uh, getting some quick but brisk workout in the morning before you start your work. So one of the best way to prevent the epidemic of weight gain and pre-diabetic tendency is to get uh, a pre-breakfast workout. So around, if you wake up around 6.30 or 7 and then you get at least a 30, 40, 45 minute, one hour workout in the morning before breakfast, that will set the tone for the day and you will not need heavy duty caffeine to plow through the day itself because you're awake, your body feels really uh, energized because you're waking up after 7, 8, 9 hours of sleep and you are shedding the heaviness and you're regaining the energy. But if you do the same exercise around 8 o'clock in the night after you come back from work, then your body is totally tired and exhausted all day long and you're pushing it even further. That creates a chronic low grade of inflammation in the system that is going to interfere with your sleep. It is going to disrupt your digestive process and you are going to wake up more and more tired because you did the same amount of exercise but at the wrong time. So the science is not what you eat, when you eat it's not how much exercise you do but when you exercise it's not how much sleep you get but when you sleep and so these are the things which which i discussed in the book which are very powerful very simple and currently the book is is ranked as uh, one of the best sellers in several categories and so i think i think people are responding to these changes very well they are appreciating the message and they are they are able to look at their lifestyle that how busy and Disconnected, it is, it is happening from their ability to, to prioritize their own health. And I'm happy to carry this message forward. There's nothing new, but I'm, I'm surprised with uh, how many people are responding and I'm getting emails and phone calls uh, almost every day with with glowing reviews about the book and how it has helped them with within just few weeks of implementing that yeah it helps changes. helps
0: them easily and quickly and i think that's the the crux in in our western culture we we separate the ideas of awareness and connectedness and spirituality and say well that's somehow separate and, and not as important as as uh, the physical and science and yet it is all physical and science that that it's it's proven, that it, it's, it's all interconnected. It's relationship-based as far as how the body's working. And so we really cannot continue to separate the two. Um, you talk about with the the three uh, areas of diet and exercise and sleep, and then also the, the three doshas, the vada and the pitta and the kapha, and the day being separated into six, segments that that outline sort of the the body needs in relationship to the doshas um, timing is critical and it it matters when we do these things and just as an example um, you cite that at night the stomach empties at half the rate it does by day so this is this is there's a, a physical reason that can be shown as to why these things are set up in these various um, times and and schedules uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about how sleep and weight loss are connected.
1: Well, I think sleep is one of the most potent anti-inflammatory activity that you will ever do. It is is a reset button. And uh, uh, more and more science is revealing how important sleep is because when you're sleeping, the cholesterol synthesis, the lipid synthesis, the fat-burning mechanism, which happens between 10 to 2 in the night. Okay, let me repeat this. From 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. is when the body is burning fat. And if you're watching your late night television with a bowl of ice cream, it's not able to do that. And so I think that is the time when you should be in the bed and allow the body to burn the unwanted fat and regulate the fat metabolism at that time. Uh, The same with your immune function. So around 2 o'clock till 4 o'clock in the night when the sleep is at its peak and deepest, when the brain is is really cleansing itself, detoxifying itself. Your immune system is cleansing. It's doing all the bacteriophagic activity that it is supposed to do. So it is reprogramming and training your body for starting your day with not uh, responding to food, having food intolerances, allergic uh, responses, hyperactive immune responses. And the brain uh, is slowly becoming more sharp and alert and awake because of the good night's sleep it got at the right time of the night itself. So we used to jokingly say earlier that um, a good day begins the night before, but I think we are we are realizing with all the growing body of research that it is sleeping at the right time and making sure that you wake up at the right time and you kind of follow the rhythms of the nature itself. That is the key. When I started talking to my patients, they were they were feeling as sleep is something that you do when you have nothing else to do, but I think that. That's not true. Something is such an important function that the body has for all the species, for all the humanities, including plants. They shut down their leaves at a certain time and open their, their physiological functioning at certain time. So the body does it and we should be doing it. And I think the biggest challenge that we have right now, Ellie, is the exposure to artificial light and the blue light from televisions and computers and cell phones and e-readers that delay the release of melatonin, uh, the hormone that helps us sleep uh, in the night or create the first wave of helping us sleep, which makes you prone for insomnia, restless sleep, and you wake up tired itself. So when people are, are exposing themselves to natural light, spending time outdoors, what we call it as forest bathing um and this was an interesting study that was published where the volunteers were taken for winter camping and at the end of the trip they were falling asleep two hours earlier sleeping more deeply and were waking up at dawn without an alarm clock so abundant exposure to natural light during the day and no electronic stimulation a couple of hours before bedtime is a very important lifestyle change that i discussed in the book
0: So since we're a society based on weight loss, I just want to add, you had said in the book, we burn fewer calories regardless of level of activity if we're sleep-deprived. And significant insulin resistance develops after just five days of reduced sleep. And then you say the truth is sleep starts when you wake up. And that if you don't balance your activity with rest, you'll deplete your strength, weaken your digestive fire, and ultimately shorten your lifespan. Um, so it's like, there you have it. You know, everybody, get, get, get to sleep. Um, well,
1: and the whole science of leptin and ghrelin and everything is is pointing its fingers that go to bed at the proper time. And, and they, they did a simple study and uh, they looked at the lab mice where a simple way to trigger obesity in laboratory mice was to actually just wake them up. And what they did was just going in there several times, and turn on the light for a few minutes and turn them off. And then they fed them same calories, what everybody was eating, but they were given calories in their sleep cycle. So uh, in, the, in the evening, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, they were given food and were exposed them to light around that time. So both of those things, uh, exposing them to artificial light and feeding them in the night, giving the same calories what other people were eating during the day, they all started gaining weight.
0: And I just want to talk a little bit more about the idea that we're fighting against ourselves to achieve our desired goals. You talk in the book about the false notion of willpower and the building up of toxins in the mind and that, you know, part of what we do in sleep is dischar- discharging these toxins. So maybe I thought we could talk about, um, the boga and the roga. I apologize if I haven't said them correctly. Um, and, and how important it is to start noticing Uh, how we're feeling when we're doing things and how we're
1: feeling when we're
0: eating things?
1: Well, I think it's being mindful in every activity that you do. I think when you are eating mindlessly, when you're driving mindlessly, when you're working mindlessly, uh, there's a disconnection. So being aware, being present, that, that is the key. So every time you're eating, chewing the food, you're sensing the taste, you're digesting the food, you're eating less when you're not doing anything else. And just eating and focusing on eating itself. So, I think that mindfulness in every activity, focusing on your breath, focusing on your your routine or whatever activity you are doing. I think that is the key. And and Ayurveda talks about we accumulate toxins when your life experience is not completely metabolized. So there's a need for daily self renewal, um, which is detoxification, purification, rejuvenation. And when you have a strong physical and emotional digestive system, then you are effortlessly harmonizing. Your internal rhythms with those natures and and the cats and dogs do it the birds do it uh, there's nothing that you have to go to a school to do this it's It's just being connected with your own self that you will you will start respecting the waves of hunger and thirst and sleep and everything. There was an interesting study that came out not long ago where most of the Americans actually reached for a snack in fact when they were thirsty so when we are disconnected, we can't even. Differentiate between thirst and hunger, and I think the key is is to be mindfully. I discussed I discussed so many different simple tips that you can feel your own pulse, you can focus on your breath, you can look at your tongue, and look at your bowel movement in the morning. You can ask yourself a couple of simple questions about how good you feel, how energetic you feel throughout the day. So these are ways to be mindfully connected with what is going on. We call it a self-peripheral, and you use these terms bhoga. Boga is when the mind is directed outwards, so it's constantly uh, uh, at a sensorial level where you're constantly going from yam or yuck, kind of an experience, and not really checking in with your body at all. And yoga is, is union, but it is, it is the mind directed inwards, where your mind and your stability of the intellect, which actually guides you to make the right decisions for yourself, is coming from inside out. And I think that is different when when you read the book, when you start following those things, you you slow down the tempo of life and you are doing a very different kind of yoga of life itself. And that union with you able to do something for yourself on an everyday basis is a very important healthy feeling.
0: One thing that I think Western medicine has begun and maybe is accepting is the idea that stress, the negative impact that stress has on all elements of our physical health. And you talk about stress becoming an emotional habit, and then you talk about interceptive awareness. And that's the idea that if you ask your body how you're feeling, your body will tell you. And it's also taking that moment to sort of stop the cycle, right? To interrupt it so that we don't just follow the habits um, and even the habit of stress that have developed that, that just asking ourselves and noticing break starts to break apart these, these cycles.
1: Well, I think um, if you are less busy, then you feel unproductive and unhappy if you are too busy then you feel stressed out and unhappy so no matter what happens you are you are cultivating a feeling of happiness or unhappiness so you need to find the right kind of work life balance and especially young millennials they are they are literally broke if time is money they are literally broke they have don't have time for anything they just keep themselves busy no matter what and uh, there's a there's a culture of busyness which is replacing with a feeling of happiness if you're busy then you feel good about yourself you have no no time to do anything else that you are mimicking happiness but there's an underlying depression that is making you sad unhappy overextended and tired and and i think this mindful conversation that why do i do this and what is making it making me feel this and how can i slow down and i often tell my patients for a fast acting relief try slowing down
0: you say at the beginning of the book, it isn't magic, but I think maybe it is, um, you know, because you just look at the sleep element, you see, you can get rid of snoring, it it can completely affect your melatonin level, it's a powerful anti inflammatory. And that, you know, we can't just try to catch up with sleep on the weekends, we can't we can't trick the game um, in that way that that actually is is making the whole system work less smoothly and, and less effectively. You talk and that, also.
1: Is social, that is the that is the that is a social jet lag that you're talking about. That people somehow behave Monday to Friday and Friday they have license to eat late and sleep late and Saturday they wake up late. They instead of eating breakfast they eat brunch and then they have license to have Saturday night and eating late and sleeping late and catching up sleep on Sunday and then Monday they have to start the day at six o'clock as if they are they are uh, waking up in a complete different time zone with three to four hours of difference, time zone changes. And every one hour of time zone change, it takes one to two days for the body to normalize the bodily functions like sleep and energy and bowel movements and things like that. And by the time you reset that, it's Thursday and then it's one more Friday and you do it all over again. So people get into this cyclical social jet lag, which is disrupting their clock.
0: And they get into these cycles that are disruptive in every area. They skip breakfast because they're on a hu- in a hurry, or they ate such a big dinner, and so they aren't hungry. And then they don't eat for a while, and they grab something that's the wrong thing. And then by the time dinner comes, their their mind is boggled, and they feel terrible. And so they're eating whatever's in sight, and and typically the grabbing the the sugary, starchy foods that are just going to continue the cycle of of this, and then not sleeping. And so the interconnectedness in your book, it, it you make it so clearly obvious um one other element i want to get in before before we end our conversation because it i think it will be so obvious to people once they start to realize and and not obvious at all before they do is this idea of well you know what i can and it's similar with the sleep oh i can just sleep on the weekends or oh i'm super stressed out and i have a ton of anxiety i'll just run 20 miles um, and so people are over exercising
1: And they're overexercising, they're overexercising at the wrong time and they're not even aware how tired and exhausted the body is. And it's creating uh, almost bouts of hunger and blood sugar fluctuation because they're burning out certain things and they're having disproportionate eating because you you can walk on a treadmill for one hour and burn 500 calories. And then uh, a handful of salty nuts will give you that many calories. So you don't even make a connection that how much time you will, you will need to be on, on a treadmill to even burn those calories. And if you are constantly disconnected and going from uh, a blood sugar fluctuating kind of waves, not knowing how hungry you are or how tired you are, then it's going to create a chronic disruptions in many, many rhythms of the body.
0: So I like the magic of threes that I'm noticing, the three things you need to do. Go to bed by 10.30, eat your largest meal at noon, exercise first thing in the morning. Um, the three doshas, vada, pitta, and kapha, primary doshas, we're, were all a, a mix of, of three often, and and where you live, the environment of the time of year may be affecting which one is in balance or out of balance. And there are some great quizzes in the book that can um, lead everyone to understand what their their primary doshas
1: are. Two other things that I would I would tell people to step away from artificial light into sunlight for a few minutes several times during the day. If you're working in an office, if you're in a cubicle, just, just don't stay there underneath artificial lights for all day long. So try to get into real sunlight several times during the day, even if you're stepping out and taking a staircase or um, just going for a short stroll around the block and come back and work, that's perfectly fine. And try to avoid any blue light at least a couple of hours before you sleep and turn off your lights by 10.30 p.m. If you can do that.
0: My son didn't like that idea when I mentioned that last night. You know, he's just turning his phone off before bed. I'm like, you know, we're going to start that two hours earlier. And the last three, which is that all change comes in phases, and and you designate three phases um, clearly at the end of the book, that we need to prepare uh, for the change, then healing has to happen, and then comes the transformation
1: transformation is completely baked now it's not going back to your good old self it's like it's cooking a brownie or something like that so you 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 have completely baked you have transformed you have gotten used to the way you live your body feels absolutely happy with the way you live and then you're not going back to some good old habits and you are to retraining and entraining yourself with uh, positive uh, healthy habits which is slowly going to change your life for sure
0: I love the example of the gal that does the huge parties and she had a problem. She was always grabbing for all the delicious appetizers and she was so proud. She called you and said, I didn't eat a thing and I didn't even want to.
1: Well, I think think your body starts functioning at a completely different level. So uh, it's a very spiritual process. When you start doing something for yourself, reading, learning, understanding, watching yourself and making those changes without anybody telling you to do that, I think it's a, it's a very spiritual process, and all the religious organizations around the world have actually used fasting, abstinences, all those things to, to cultivate that. And I think we are, we are at a phase in medicine where wellness psychology, wellness philosophy, spirituality is all going to be fused with medicine. And I think we are seeing a very, very positive trend, which I'm very happy to be a part of it
0: and how different a world we will have when we all start trusting ourselves trusting our bodies trusting nature and um feeling that you know we're a part of it along with that single microbe <laughs> and there's a and there's yep. a, a a clock in our genes that's promoting our best life and our best best health And so this is Ellie Newman on That Got Me Thinking. I've been speaking with Dr. Suhas Shirsagar about his recent book, Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life, How to Harness the Power of Clock Genes to Lose Weight, Optimize Your Workout, and Finally Get a Good Night's Sleep. So thank you so much.
1: Well, the book is available in all the leading bookstores on Amazon. So grab your copy today. And if you want to read more information, watch some videos, you can also go to my website, drsuhas.com, which is D-R-S uhas.com.
0: All right, Dr. Suhass, so you've definitely been our guide, so thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.